back 2020 game of runs here on 101.5 umfm my name is neil noonan and alongside me my man my homie sue rich kanda happy new year man happy new year to you too my friend it is 2020 and i hope that presents us a clear vision <laughs> on on uh on the league and uh and the greater basketball world today you know what, man? It was uh, we, we we took about a month off or so, and we never really talked about this beforehand. But I don't know if you noticed because I didn't until all of these things started coming out. I didn't really notice it was the end of a decade. Like I knew it was nineteen. There was a nine at the end. You know, like a technically zero weekend. comes after exactly. Yeah. Like I, I knew that, right? Yeah. But. You know when like Sportsnet, TSN, and all these things like they put out these like uh, like bloopers of the year or plays of the year and all these things, that didn't happen this December. It no. was all we got- plays of the decade, right? And what a treat because the NBA did a phenomenal job with this, and I I know we've talked about like a, a few and we've shared on Instagram and stuff like that, like uh, some of their videos that they've put out, but them going back in time. And uh, and putting together these packages of like they did like crossovers of the decade, right? Yeah. And like clutch shots of the decade, plays of the decade, all these different things. And it was such a great kind of retrospective of not only the the amazing moments that happened in the the tens. Well, I'm so glad we don't have to say that anymore. Not only, I mean, no one really did, but the twenties just sound really good. Yeah. Um, but being able to go back uh, over ten years of the NBA, which is just crazy, because it just seemed like yesterday that the decision happened and he went. To that, the, that was this, you know, past like, decade. Yeah. It's it's crazy that like this was like ten years gone by, and uh, yeah, just huge props to the NBA for. Uh, I mean, uh, they, of course, have the means to do this with their staff, but yeah. going back through the vault and finding all these things, because uh, the, some of the moments were great to relive, but uh, it was really cool seeing the players that were highlighted. And uh, somebody that really stood out to me, and I was explaining to my girlfriend um, while we were watching these of just the impact he had, because since we've been dating for four or five-ish years or whatever, he just hasn't had as big of an impact because of his injuries is one of our favorite players, Derek Rose. He was all over these decade highlights. Wreaked havoc on the league. My God. And, and it really wasn't for very long, right? His MVP year was 2011, right? His sophomore year, 2010. Uh, You got to remember it was his third year in the league, his MVP year, which is just silly to think about. And then somebody that came in the same draft, Blake Griffin, right? Yep. It's just crazy to think about how far we've gone and seeing oh, yeah. these guys throughout the decade make these just insane plays that will be remembered forever. But uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this. But well, I have a man. few. I have a few questions. Yeah, and, of and, and a few and a few thoughts on that. Uh, first of all, what was your favorite highlight video? Oh man, I, I think the crossovers were really fun. Um, yeah. for sure. Just because you you get a lot of the guys that kind of weren't in the rest of the videos, you know, like you got the Crawfords, right? And, uh, oh yeah, you got all these guys that have insane handles. Um, seeing the, the Steph Curry one on Chris Paul in the baseline, oh, that was one that I kind of forgot about. Um, another one that I forgot about, which was just so nasty because you just never see this in the NBA was Joe Johnson had Paul Pierce on like the right wing, and he did these like tiny little dribbles right in front of Paul Pierce, and Paul reached down to try and steal it and got and, old man. Yeah, yeah, and it was just like, oh man, it, watching these videos back and just constantly being like, oh, and like, oh, uh, is so much fun. But yeah, I think the handles one was was probably one of my favorites. My favorite um, one was one that they didn't do. Oh. Yeah. What? Break it down, man. Trade demands of the decade. (laughs) Ah, Hey, player empowerment era. Let's go. Very Uh, true. Very true. um, Another another note on that is like how far uh, you mentioned how far we've come. Like part of it is like a sad reality of recognizing your mortality, right? Like maybe I'm looking at this from a pessimistic point of view. (laughs) Sure, sounds like it. Yeah. In 2010, bro, I had a shag. Like yeah, I had you hair, did, man. Yeah, yeah, I was you looking like flow. I was looking like a brown beetle. Yeah. Um. I. I. Uh, I still detested the Spurs. 
in okay. 2009, 2010, I was like, mm, there's no fun democratic right. yeah, basketball yeah. system. Yeah. That was know. before the beautiful game Spurs. Yes. And then uh, also, yeah, it was it was like uh, I still still with still truly with LeBron. No complications like, yeah, yeah we're cheering for you. You're the Cleveland guy. Right. Um, no heel turn. Right. Uh, Derek Rose, as you said, as you alluded to earlier, like the the come up of young, exciting players in an evolved form of basketball. This is not early mid 2000s basketball. Basketball has since changed and players are faster. Uh, players are, are in some ways because they're faster or stronger. Um, obviously, they're skinnier. Um, uh, the game is more finesse than it was uh, bruising bodies down low. And 2003 was an extremely slow pace, and we've just seen it like evolve and evolve over time. Um, the beautiful game Spurs was just a highly efficient freak basketball team, reminiscent of '86 Celtics and stuff. And and, and now, like I was alive back then, Jesus, uh, pretending like I know what I'm talking about. You're uh, an NBA fan. Yeah, you could say something yeah, like that. Right? It, it, yeah, yeah, and I'll just I'll get the pass. <laughs> right. right? Yeah, like, yeah. Um. But it, it, it's slowly evolved into like. We've 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 gone from that extremely insane idealism of basketball, which was realized that this decade through I think the Spurs, through I think the Warriors, through some degree the Heat when they played their blitz defense and LeBron at the four, um, Zach Lowe and uh, who's the Miami guy? Uh, oh yeah, uh, he's on with his uh, his dad all the time. Yeah. Oh, the name escapes me, but it'll come. Continue. Yeah. Um, they were talking about uh, the uh, the Heatles, and, and that to a degree was basketball perfection. Just seeing those superpowers together, right? Like, um, and now it's at a point where it's kind of turning, uh, or it already has turned midway through maybe the decade. The analytical analysis, the analysis of the league, where. Um, Things that were preconceived as unnecessarily a, a part of basketball or in an inefficient part of basketball, you can now game the numbers. Mori ball, if you will. We've seen that extracted from the league. What's the most extraction you could get off a of possession? Um, what's the most efficient you can make a possession? And some of those possessions would involve just taking an all-time isolation player and wreaking havoc like it's 2001. Right. Um, That's been the coolest thing to me, where you add numbers into the game, see how it socially impacts the game and what people think about the game. And how does that change your fandom? And how does that change what teams you like to watch? How does that change how you consume the league? I don't watch the Rockets. I know the Rockets are good, um, but it's been a bit of a tougher watch over some some moments. Uh, and and at some points they've been an extremely fun team to watch because they'll jack forty threes, right? So seeing the evolution of basketball itself and how Steph Curry impacted an entire generation and how it's kind of been in 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 inter a, a triple threat between LeBron's uh, dominance on the league, Steph Curry's evolution of basketball, and like the thirty foot shots and the stretching out of floor and then uh the analytics it's been kind of like that three pillar build and how everything melded together is probably my favorite aspect yeah that kind of reminds me too of watching these videos back really reminding me of just how good lebron and wade were together it's and really silly that they were together. It truly is. And especially in that 2011 year, 2010 and 11, you could kind of come together. 2010, they were learning to play together. 2011. They played together. They were in, in, incredible together. But, like, some of, some of the, like, the, the full-court pass alley-oop that uh, Wade had to LeBron, right? And then the, the classic, like, arms-out picture. Uh, the photo. Alley-oop and stuff like that. Yeah. They had some incredible connections, but... What you said kind of reminded me of, do you remember, I think it was in 2012 after they won their first championship, the, the, sorry, the following season where the first like five, six, seven games or what have you of the season, that next season, Wade and LeBron did not attempt a three and they almost were like challenging each other to like get the highest field goal percentage possible. And I think this was the beginning of their 27 game winning streak and LeBron had like an unheard of shooting percentage that year, right? Like people were saying that he was it was going to be one of the greatest non-big men shooting percentage uh 
seasons ever. I think it was above 60% for most of it. And then thinking about how the game has evolved, and I mean, people were shooting threes back then, but it's so much more now where that was still an incredibly efficient team where you still, yeah, you you had Ray Allen, you had Shane Battery, and even Chris Bosh, you know, shooting threes. But there's there's a way to be efficient, not just by shooting threes, but getting incredibly high percentage two-point looks right and that's yeah. that's running the floor that's being as athletic as two of the greatest players ever playing together right oh, yeah. like i mean that works but that kind of reminds me of the bucks right like the bucks they, they shoot their threes right they're they're right up there the three points attempt but they also have a guy named Mil- or <laughs> a guy named uh Giannis Antetokounmpo that great pronunciation you're really bringing into it i'm trying man i'm trying respect being able to play not the same way LeBron did at that year, but he's he's taking his threes, but he's dominating inside while being this incredibly athletic guy. And maybe I would like to see a little bit more of that, like a little bit more athletic athleticism. I could say Antetokounmpo, but I can't say athleticism. <laughs> um, bring that back into the league a little bit more, right? A guy like John Morant, watching him play now, you know, like I just love seeing athletes get up and down the floor and make really fun plays. And I feel like because the three-pointers becomes just such an important part of the game now that the fast breaks, you don't see the alley-oops anymore because the other guy is going to the three-point line. Yeah, right? I, I mean, uh, uh Transition threes are at its highest all time, right? 100%, right? So it's interesting to not only think about that Heat team and think about like what the Bucks are doing this season and the contrast between that and just how the game has evolved in 10 years, which is a relatively short time in the grand scheme of things, right? Um, but how important the three-pointers become and, like you said, kind of the Mori ball thing, the sprawl ball that Kirk Goldsberry's talked about. And uh, even hearing about, like, not only are a lot of podcasters talking about their favorite things of the decade, but a lot of them are also looking forward to like um, uh, the full 48. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, being bad at names today. Um, shoot. Bleacher Report. Howard Beck. Thank you. What up, Beck? Yes, there we go. Howard Beck. Uh, he had Chris Maddox on uh, today, actually, and they were talking about uh, what they think 2020s are going to look like. Uh, the 20s are going to look like in the NBA. And Really looking back, thinking about what's happening now and what's to come, the amount of change we saw in 10 years, I can't even imagine what this game is going to look like in 2030, right? Um, And it's not just how the game's being played, but what rules might change, right? Yeah. Maybe it's not a four-point line, but maybe they get rid of the key or something, right? Like, I think a change might come, and it's not just to the schedule or a midseason tournament play and stuff like that, but, like, to the actual game of basketball itself. We're in a really fun time now, but it will be interesting to see what the league values, what the players are gimmicking, like, James Harden, like you're kind of talking about, and just not having fun watching the Rockets, who are successful in what they do. But <laughs> this is secretly a Rockets hate podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is what it is. But um, Russ sucks as well. Completely oh, wow. uh, awful. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's it's been a it's been a fun month or so uh, when we haven't had a show to to look back, think about what's going on now, and to hear everybody's thoughts about moving forward, uh, kind of thing. And yeah, just how the game of basketball is going to change. How would you change it? How would I? I really like what we have right now. Um, however, just going off what I said, the athleticism, getting up and down the court, is is just a fun brand of basketball to watch. Like, who's the best fast-breaking team right now? Could you even say off the top of your head? Nope. Exactly, right? Like, that. Like the, we don't have a team. We like don't the, have a seven seconds or less. Yeah, we don't have yeah. the Suns right now, right? We don't have that Heels team. Yeah. Um, I mean, Giannis is, is a one-man wrecking crew, right? But the fact that finding a three-point shot and playing the pick and roll with your ball handler, right? Like, seeing what Luke is doing and stuff like that. Like, that's just a more efficient way to play offense, even though a fast-paced, go-up-and-down kind of thing, looking-for-easy-points kind of thing 
is a smart way to pay, play basketball. Just not a lot of teams are playing like that, right? So I don't know if there's a rule change. It's It might just be the way coaches and teams are thinking of doing this and then just playing to their stars. You know, maybe it's maybe it's a um, as simple as an energy thing, right? Like maybe teams aren't just looking to fast break because they want to be able to play 36 minutes or they want to be able to play in a back-to-back or something like that, right? So, yeah, trying to answer the question of what I would change, I would like to just see more fast-breaking, more athleticism. I'm not going to ask people to pick up full-court pressing, though, oh, my God, I love the Raptors and I love Nick Harris. (laughs) (laughs) Them throwing out uh, a press, uh, like they almost did like a diamond zone press on Christmas Day. Welcome to U-Sport Basketball I, Action. I on. love Nick Nurse. He's, he, oh, my God. He's the best. He is like a JV, like varsity coach. 100%. Playing in the NBA. Um, it's amazing. Uh, but, yeah, to answer your question, I, I would just love to see some more fast-breaking. You know, I just feel like it's it's not really a lost art. We're just not seeing it as much anymore. Yeah. Um, one rule change I would consider, uh, we already had a whole uh, maybe hour, two hours on, uh, on, on the scheduling aspect. But as far as the actual schematics of the court, I'd widen it. Oh, yeah, man. Get, get some room. Yeah, man. go CFL field on them. Straight mate. Just up. Make it fat, son. And you know what? It's Bringing it back to the heels, that's when people started talking about it. It was like that team, you know? It's like, yeah. should we widen the court? And leave these some big guys. And people were getting hurt, you know, like running into the back. Like, um, This I team mean, is flying, yeah. dude. Like, let them fly. I mean, that would take out some courtside money. But, hey, I, I'm back. all for that. That would be interesting. I'm all for the silly idea that you have overhanging seats. Oh, my God. I'm all for it, man. Yo, eliminate that courtside thing. <laughs> Fuck. Put them up. Put them above, 50 feet above the court. But not obstructing the jumbotron, oh, man. and they could just like have them like run back and forth. They could it's free range. You could just kind of walk up to the other side, just look down. You got a two K view. Oh man, I don't care. Uh, why not? Who try it? <laughs> <laughs> just give it a go, Inglewood. Try it. You're making you're making a Clippers <laughs> facility. Do it. But um, that's that that's the one change I would make or consider making. That would be a fundamental change to basketball. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, even just thinking about if they widened it to make the three-point arc complete, you know, to yeah. take away that corner three idea, Yeah, right? That would change so many versions of offense. What would the most efficient three be, the cor- uh, the, the wing three? I don't I even g- know. I guess. Yeah, I would right? ask Kirk Goldsberry probably. But th- think about how, like, people already call it the spread pick and roll, right? Where it's basically you got two guys in the corner. Right, it's a high pick and roll right at the top, and then usually that fifth guy is whether he's in the dunker spot or something like that. Thinking about that with an extra couple feet on either end of the court, oh my god, there's going to be so much room. There, are people are like teams are going to be averaging like 130 points at minimum because the game will be like that, right? Exactly. Um, speaking of that, though, I would actually be interested of them going into kind of FIBA rules. Imagine a 40 minute NBA game. <sighs> I, the quality of basketball would be higher. I worry that the logistics of the NBA would mess it up. Mm. Think about the ref reviews. Uh, Fuck. <laughs> let's, Pardon me. Yeah, let's not uh, let's not get into the ref reviews to start uh, 2020. Uh, replay reviews suck. I, I've argued for them uh, in terms of them being practical. Uh, what I did not account for is that... Uh, Referees don't like to be wrong. <laughs> of course not. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a huge part of it. Yeah, that sucks because uh, you ultimately won't know what uh, you you don't always get the right answer. So um, I feel as if that would mess it up. The forty minute idea is great. It would speed up the game. Players would be healthier, in my opinion. You're playing eight less minutes of basketball, um, but you would have to get the same amount of TV timeouts, or you lose money. It would still be That's the same. It always comes down yeah, to the cash. It would still be the same product. It always comes down to the cash. Yeah. Something I actually wanted to start the show off, which, I mean, every show and podcast has talked about it for sure, but the passing of David Stern, um, obviously a massive part of the NBA for 30-plus years, right? I have loved hearing people's not only just one-on-one stories, but even just providing context to certain things. He just seemed like he was not only like revered, respected, but just really put his stamp on not only like the NBA, but just sports in, yeah. in America. 
kind of thing. Um, before we get out of here on our uh, on our live show, we we'll, we'll continue talking in our our podcast episode. So uh, stay tuned if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app. Out of all the stories you've you've probably heard, um, or even things like personally for you. What sticks out to you about David Stern? Uh, what kind of impact do you believe that he really made on the league in your mind? Uh, what was your favorite? What sticks out to you? Uh, David Stern is a perfect quality case example of a gray area human being. Is someone you disagreed with and agreed with. Someone you should listen, if you're in the basketball world, should listen and pay attention to and don't always have to agree with. Uh, David Stern did phenomenal things for the league and came in at a transformative time that the league really needed it and really needed change. Uh, some people argue against David Stern's impact because he came in at the right time. He came in at the time that Larry and Magic were still running show and Michael Jordan came in the league. Anyone with half a brain can make this succeed. But David Stern made it succeed beyond what was imagined, I think, maybe. Probably, and, for sure. and, that's credit to Michael Jordan. That's credit to uh, all the all-stars and superstars in the NBA, uh, as much as it is credit to David Stern for helping run the league and make sure it was ushered in the right direction, getting specific TV deals. Um, Obviously, did he have mistakes and bumps along the way? Uh, Did he have scandals or uh, controversies? Yes. Did he possibly uh, freeze an envelope? I don't know. I don't know. That's for you to decide. Um, Dies with him now. Yeah, absolutely. That secret uh, is gone now. Um, I'm all for the conspiracy that Michael Jordan didn't actually uh, retire. Uh, It was a suspension for gambling. Another juicy one. I love that one. And Stern was like, listen, you can leave me on on your own accord or I'm going to suspend you. Like, choose. Right. Um, my, My most memorable impact of David Stern would be where he had his rivalry with Allen Iverson. Oh, okay. This was at a tra- this was the age of what I was maybe 9 or 10 and I started like really getting into basketball. Allen Iverson's my favorite player of all time and Allen Iverson made specific fashion choices. He essentially was himself. Um and this was in an era where Stern basically enforced a dress code which has now evolved into a not dress code. Uh, it's essentially a, a, it's a runway now. Yeah, um, you could you could essentially wear express yourself fashion wise in any way because the best thing about fashion and clothing is it's your first form of expression to people who don't know you. Um, and Alan Iverson felt like that was being suppressed. So there was a what is essentially a war, a, a fashion war between David Stern and Alan Iverson, and what the concept is and the racial barriers behind you know how you can express yourself and how professional do you have to be that's my biggest memory of david stern where he was the heel um because i was for alan iverson i was for freedom of expression um did he eventually come around to it yeah he also eventually came around to legal marijuana which is great or legal cannabis uh so like invest in uncle spliffy or something yeah he he very clearly was a businessman when he had to be and then as soon as he retired he kind of let the brakes off and was like let me tell you what i actually think um and i think the alan iverson thing was a good it was good because it helped the league get to this runway era now um my favorite memory my fondest memory that was my that's the most vivid memory my favorite memory 2013 draft baby <laughs> this is so iconic i can't hear you <laughs> he uh with a smile on dude. no one no one has played booze better oh, in the nba so than uh, david stern so it's so true i think that's a lot of people's favorite like just visual memory of him yeah you know, especially because it was movie. his last one of his last major it's like, true yeah because yeah. 2014 is when uh Adam took over. Yep. Right? So. Crazy. Uh, I'm going to share my Please. favorite David Stern memory on our podcast episode. So hey. if you're listening to us live here on 101.5 UMFM, search Gamer Runs, whether on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can listen to the rest of our episode there. Man, does a half hour go fast, but it is good to be back here in the studio. Keep listening. And if not, enjoy the rest of your drive, because I imagine who's listening to radio at home? Not a lot, eh? No one. Absolutely no Our best fans, maybe. Shout out to you. Just kidding. All right. Listen to the rest of our uh, episode. If not, enjoy the basketball this week, my friends. 2020. Let's do it.
So welcome back to Game Runs, where we do uh, a crisp 40 minutes on the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Neil, what are your thoughts on the Detroit Pistons? I think Reggie Jackson. Stop. We're changing tips. <laughs> <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Did you forget about Reggie Jackson? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> Holy shit. I did the rest of the NBA world. Remember when he was an extremely talented point guard backing up Russell Westbrook? Who felt some type of way and thought he should lead his own team? Ugh. It's oh, gross. gross. gross, gross. Uh. We will start off this excellent second half podcast episode with... What I teased earlier, my David Stern. I don't have a story. That's not true. Okay, but after listening to all the podcasts and reading some of the stories and stuff like that after his passing, um, something that really stuck out to me that I really didn't know but I might have heard of before is how he ended up getting like different countries, not only overseas but in South America as well, to start not only playing games but also just showing highlights on TV. Yeah. So I forget who it was, but somebody was saying that like he just went over to like networks in Argentina and paid them like two thousand dollars, which in, in which is nothing. Which is absolutely nothing when we're talking about billions and billions of dollars <laughs> TV rights right now in, in twenty twenty. But thinking about how he wanted to grow the game globally, and that's it's, it's a very generic statement people say when they talk about David Stern. Generic not being a negative thing, just yeah, he did do that. But the way he did it, I don't think I ever heard that before, except until this last week, that he actually was like... Essentially cold calling? Yeah, and saying like, hey, can you just put our highlights in some of our games? <laughs> we'll give you money. Here online, or not online, on your broadcast. And thinking about, maybe it wasn't Manu in Argentina, but... Thinking about guys like Giannis and thinking about like the top of the league right now with with Luca and Siakam, these guys that did not grow up in America that were able to watch the NBA growing up and become obsessed with it just like we are. And I mean, they're obviously a lot more talented than we are and yeah. are in the NBA now. But when you really th- go down the line of whether it's the all-star rosters or the all-NBA teams, it's insane to think about the percentage of international players. I almost think that the all-star game shouldn't be East versus West. It should be very similar to the Rising Stars game where they do the like the America versus the world thing. Because we're almost there where the world team could probably take the U.S. team. Like Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, Luca, come on! Every Canadian, insane. I mean, Dylan Brooks. I mean, I'm just kidding. It's to be Shay Gilgis Alexander. Yo. Yo. Is he the best Canadian basketball player right now on the planet? Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. We're all hot yeah. takes here. Yes, I love it. I, I gave it. You know why? Because <laughs> Wigan sucks. And. Um. Jamal Murray sucks. Oh, yeah. They yeah. All, come on, man. And we fulfilled the web order at Livestock mm-hmm. for a shy Gilgis Alexander. No way. There's only one. In Oklahoma City. Sick. Uh, creep move. Shouldn't disclose it. Uh, looked up where the address was. Yeah. It's probably his house. Very <laughs> it's a nice cool. house, man. Hey, that is neat. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a cool little sidebar for sure. Shout yeah. out to Che. Yeah. But yeah, as far as David Stern goes, I mean, that's that's a huge, huge deal. And would have that would have that happened without him? No one will know. No one will. But did he have a massive part, if not the part, in making that happen? Absolutely. Yeah, dude, he was a hustler. Like, he was a, like a good, like... A genuinely good businessman, like, and the fact that Adam Silver was trained by this guy and has, though an android persona, a higher moral compass, possibly, um, given what we've seen of Adam Silver and how he manages these, these kind of waters of of social media in the in 2020 and 2019, um, Adam Silver came at the right time because he was the right dude, uh, to. To basically usher the new league, uh, the league into its politically correct era, right. and by politically correct era, I mean 
uh, Adam Silver is going to go up on stage, drop the mic after banning one of the owners in the league. For life! For life. That, that was, was so bad. That was the hardest shit you could have done as a brand new owner. And um, this is a dude who learned under David Stern for 20 years. And David Stern obviously did some things wrong, but he definitely did a lot of things right. Oh, yeah. So um, that's why the league, you said you like the league as is on our show uh, just maybe 20 minutes ago, 30, 30 minutes ago. Um, that's exactly what like we're set up to be. We're set up to be a, a pretty entertaining, progressive league that's business savvy. Which is why the China issue, uh, 2020, brought up the China issue. <laughs> yeah, every episode. It took, it took one episode. Um, but the China conundrum was was such a big deal. Like, oh, this is the first time we're being checked. Like, this is like, right. this is where the league is kind of not the higher power. And we haven't seen that in the Adam Silver era. Uh, there were multiple times where I questioned in the, Don, in the D- David Stern era. And... Ultimately, it always came up right. It always came up as a quality league, and that's large in part due to David Stern. Rest in peace, man. Yeah, he uh, one of the greatest contributors to basketball. One hundred percent. One of the one of the greatest commissioners for sure uh, of uh, of all time, and uh, it, it really was great. I mean, people talk about it a lot with uh, whether it's it's funerals or some or anyone passing, but. Um, just the idea of sharing stories and positive things about the person who's passed. And I mean, this was just such a great example from the players uh, to coaches and NBA personalities, media, all that kind of stuff. It was uh, it was a somber week, but I think it really was a celebration of his impact and his life. And uh, I, th- I think the NBA community did a really good job, you know, and yes. uh, they're going to be co- commemorating him with uh, the black strap on uh, the jerseys for the rest of the season. And I mean, even like Adam Silver's uh, release and stuff like that, like the, everything was just uh, handled with class and uh, all focused towards like a celebration of his life yeah. and his impact. Absolutely. Uh, very well said. Uh, also, favorite GIF, uh, David Stern choking on the water. So good. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Yo, meme ability for sure is up there uh, yeah. for Mr. Stern. He looks like a little fish. <laughs> He's adorable. <laughs> Big shout to David Stern. I always thought he was kind of like penguin size. Yeah. But the the big uh, the big glasses. Yeah. The kind of gilly, gilly cheeks. Hey, check out this transition. Speaking of the penguin. Yeah. The big penguin out in Detroit. <laughs> Let's get back to the Pistons here on this podcast. Uh, I had no idea where we were going to go for the rest of this podcast, but this seems interesting because we haven't talked about this at all. Apparently, Andre Drummond is on the move. Oh, yeah. So? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. I just don't know why. It, I don't. Who wants him and why? What? What? Okay, let's answer this first. Let's backtrack. Let's talk this out ourselves. What purpose does he fill in the league in 2020? He's a phenomenal rebounder. Go on. Okay, so uh, <laughs> what team desperately needs rebounding? Oh, man. I really didn't think it was the Hawks. Uh, just because, like... John Collins, after suspension, will be back. Sure, right? Do you really want a non-floor-stretching, just-rebounder? Yeah, I don't know. Like, can you can you just imagine Andre Drummond? This, this is kind of a Bill Simmons thing, right? When when he talks about uh, like rookies or young players, like can he see them playing in a game seven of the finals? Can you see Andre Drummond playing in game seven of the finals? And what his role is, right? Like, he can set a good pick because he's a big dude, right? Yeah, he's not exactly a great role man. However, counterpoint: a lot of people have talked about this in regards to him possibly playing with Trey Young. Reggie Jackson is the best point guard he's ever played with. Probably Derrick Rose now, which is which is funny because he's technically their sixth man. He hasn't played with a great point guard. So I don't know what his offense would be like afterwards. I wouldn't say he has the greatest hands, you know. Would you rather have Dwight Howard or Andre Drummond? Well, see, this is a really interesting point, too. Because the idea of where efficiencies lie in the salary cap era of the NBA... People, uh, I think this was Howard Beck again, um, 
great podcast, obviously. What up, Beck? Where he was talking about just the the inefficiency of paying a center an exorbitant amount of money unless they're like Joel Embiid or Jokic or one of these like transcendent unicorns. guys, right? Exactly, the unicorns. Because other than that, like you can get, what, 80% of Drummond's production with JaVale McGee? I guess, yeah. You know? So paying him f- a full max just seems completely ludicrous. Because there's not a lot of free agents this summer, I'd be really curious to see if he actually opts into his contract or if he'll try and get money elsewhere. But someone paying him the max seems outlandish to me. Just does not make a lot of sense. However, if someone was able to trade for him, say Atlanta, because they're on the mind and it seems like they have the the hottest buzz around them right now. I don't know if there's smoke, where there's fire, where. We'll see. But... Mr. Drummond, being able to just get 15 rebounds and set some screens kind of thing is not worth 30-plus million dollars in this league anymore. If the Hawks can trade for him and say, yeah, we'll give you, like, say, uh, like a max year's contract, but maybe somewhere around $20 million a year, maybe, maybe even less, that I can kind of get around, but... John Collins, you're going to want to pay him, play him at the five, right? All these teams, when it gets down to it, a lot of centers aren't playing at the end of games. Joel Embiid is arguably one of the best centers in the He's arguably the best center in the league, one of the best players. And even the Sixers sometimes have to take him out to play a certain way. Would you rather have Brooke Lopez? Splash Mountain, baby, right? Like 100%. Would you rather have Vucevic? Yes. Would you rather have Hassan Whiteside? No. Get, okay, get that guy off my team. Brook Lopez makes twenty two, Vooch makes twenty eight. Yeah, Whiteside makes twenty seven million. Yeah, that's, that's the market. Essentially, what you're doing now is you're just paying for size because it's good to have size just in case. But see, Vooch, like I would say, Vooch is a better player in this era than Drummond is, right? Like Vooch actually puts up monster numbers, and yeah. he's incredibly skilled around the net. Yeah. He's just his career is dying out in Orlando. Where sure. it seems everyone's is. And actually, hey, shout out to Jonathan Isaac. He was having an insane season. He's going to be out for a couple months for sure. But oh, the magic are sad. But yeah, like there are so many centers that I'd rather have. And this is keeping money in mind for sure as far as value goes. That I'd rather have on my team if I'm a GM, if I'm a coach, if I'm a player, than Andre Drummond. So who's the best? Just to review, who's the best point guard that Andre Drummond has had? I, I honest to God think it's Reggie Jackson. Who's the best coach he's had? Is it Dwayne? No, like Stan's a great coach, right? But he got booted out of there fairly quickly. Yeah, uh, Dwayne. I mean, he's he's a okay coach. You know, I don't. Who was before Stan? Even I don't even remember. Maybe it's because I think a lot about coffee now, and because of because I poured a bunch of shitty shots <laughs> <laughs> before I, I, I fully understood under extraction and over extraction. How do you extract the most from an Andre Drummond? Yeah, I uh, is it is it coaching? Is it a scene change? Is it both? Um, it would be. That's why I think it'd be interesting for him to land somewhere like that would have those things. You what know? about a buy low option? And he lands in Golden State. Insane. Do you think that Steve Kerr could get something ideal with a D'Lo, Drummond led, Draymond? Sort of. That'd be a fire rebounding team, actually, if I think about it. Without a doubt. But, like, would would you think he would be much better suited and Kerr and that system and surrounding talent? Is D'Lo going to be the best point guard that he's ever played with? And is Steve Kerr going to be the best coach he's ever played with? Uh, and how much do you have to give up for that? Uh, to someone who's expecting the max. Yeah, and and you better believe he is. Right. Yeah. Um. I. I don't think a light years team is going to uh, try and get someone oh, like that. No. But even to think about some of these teams that have been uh, rumored to be interested in him, the Raptors. No. An incredibly smart front office. No. The Dallas Mavericks. Donnie Nelson, another super smart guy. The Celtics. All of these front offices that are objectively good at what they do are apparently interested in this guy. 
is it because like I can see it from those three teams specifically because they're going to get him? Like if they have contracts offload, the Celtics really don't. But I I know uh, the Raptors do. The Raptors could. I I really don't get it from the Raptors. We were talking about it a little off air with uh, station manager Jared. But Shout like I, I just don't see any rational thought. And besides, much more intelligent than I am and knows his team and everything. So like when I heard that rumor, I was like, what am I missing here? Because I don't see it. Uh, Dallas is probably the team besides Atlanta that intrigues me the most just because I think him and Porzingis, they... You think that nullifies some of Porzingis' weaknesses? Maybe, and I just think that might work because they play on different spots of the floor. Like, Drummond and Blake, do you think they've worked at their peak together? No. No? Okay, why would you say that? I think the team build is fundamentally broken. Okay, but those two together as like a stylistic front court. What are your thoughts? I like Blake Griffin to operate, and Blake Griffin has gotten better at isolations, and credit to him for that since his athleticism has weaned. Um, weaned. Weaned. Um, <laughs> That's a great word. Yeah. Uh, also, a good, good amount of Blake coverage on this episode. Uh, Shouts to Blake Griffin. One of the players of the decade. Absolutely. To be yeah, honest. With, without a doubt. And uh, in terms of cultural impact and what Lob City did and the Emoji War or Emoji Gate and all Lots that. Lots of other things. Yep. All, all his dunks. Everything. Mozgov. He fundamentally changed dunks for a while. Uh, he, he had his a target on his back for a while. But nowadays he's stuck in Detroit. And uh, his isolation play, uh, I think Drummond, as you said, a role guy, maybe not ideal, but could possibly get you an offensive board and you know just a big body in there kind of clogs massive body huge body yeah big guy uh, doesn't have the shoulder hair anymore anyways um drops like kind of drops your spacing a bit and that kind of fundamentally messes up every other position on the floor because your defense could just shift over and that doesn't in my mind work when these guys are at their peak because blake griffin isn't good enough to be operating from 30 feet out. And Andre Drummond isn't good enough to be rolling from 30 feet out. So if the ball is working through Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond is not a great passer. He's not a great shooter. He's not an incredibly great role man. So no, these guys, I don't, I would not put these guys together. Um, And here they are together in Detroit. So, um, the team is fundamentally broken to me. 100%. Detroit sucks. <laughs> With that being said, thinking about possible landing spots, because I think one of the smartest moves that Detroit is apparently doing is starting to blow this up, whether it's trading Drummond right now, um, seeing if uh, Blake's going to literally just take the year off and, and get knee surgery and stuff like that. I have no idea what happened to Reggie Jackson. I don't care. <laughs> but I don't I don't know why he's not playing. Um Derrick Rose has literally been the bright spot for that team this this year. Actually Canards have a pretty good year as well, but yeah. I'm really trying to think of um the spots for Drummond because it's not only like a fit thing, but it's it's a need. Um it's a money thing, it's a value. The only reason I could think that those three organizations that were rumored, um, as you said, are incredibly smart front offices, Raptors Mavs, Celtics, is that because they see a chance to exploit someone. Okay. They see a chance to take advantage of Detroit here in a super buy-low situation or a super offloading, we don't need a pick right now because we're all good basketball teams situation. Right. So um, that's the only reason, that's the only credibility I would give that sort of situation where Masai's looking at this from like, oh, I could get like, a fire bench rebounder for dummy cheap. Let's do it. Absolutely. Oh, bench rebounder, hey. So Gasol's not in the trade. Yeah, straight up. I'm not. I'm not moving Gasol for him. No, I'm not. I, I would take Gasol over Drummond right now, without a doubt. Um, and he's not even playing. Yeah. Um. So there, there, there's, there's some credibility or some credence toward taking advantage of Detroit. Is Detroit? Detroit kind of made their. They kind of played their hand already. Yeah, like they want to move him by the trade deadline. So what's the next, what's the best move now? Now that he's officially on the block, uh, do what bargaining what bargaining room do you have? Even looking at the Raptors roster right now, 
I don't know how they would get it done without. It would be. It would have to be Gasol or Ibaka. So it's a no. Then why is it rumored, or is that just a thing? Where if like we asked Masai in, like, no, right, someone right made now, that no, up. No, no, yeah, he would just say like, nah, I was just have no idea where that came from. If we if we smoked Masai up, Masai would probably just be like, no, dude, someone made that up. Okay, because that would make me a lot. That would make me feel a lot better because I just I don't get the the rap thing at all. Yeah, depending on who reports it, a lot of a lot of these teams interested or teams talking about this sort of situation just kind of seems like oh people are putting feelers out it would be interesting though for the celtics i don't know how it would happen like how they would get it done um i think like for salary matching it would have to be someone like marcus smart plus whatever that is but when the reason Masai got marcus saul was because he knew he was gonna have to go up against Joel and beat at some point right Celtics, same thing. They got Daniel Tice, who's holding his own, right? But Horford's gone uh, on their competitor. Uh, Baines is gone, playing super well down in Phoenix. Grant Williams is not a big dude. They really don't have these guys to guard, said Joel Embiid, if they visit them in the second round or uh, in the conference uh, final, whatever it may be. They don't really have that guy. Is Drummond that guy? I actually don't know. Like Drummond versus Embiid, they have beef, don't they? But Brad Stevens would be the guy to actually maybe unlock Drummond. Who has beef? I, do, does uh, Embiid and Drummond have beef? Uh, yeah. They do? Embiid has beef with every center. Yeah, it just kind of seems, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things I was like, hmm, I remember something happening. but Yeah, Embiid uh, has called him out on Instagram multiple times. Nice, I love yeah. it. That's, yeah, oh, it's That's the, the good 2020 beef. Yeah. IG um, comments. Yeah, um, he. I believe he said he has real estate in his head. Nice. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love it, that. It's uh, it's one of the go-to sayings for Embiid, but Embiid is unfortunately exactly what you want. It, it, the antithesis of a Drummond, basically, um, in a in a twenty twenty center, um, and that's just like if he had base offensive game where he can reliably reliably score the ball. In three different ways, I think he'd be a fit on two of these three teams. If you can get him for like fifteen million or something, and he's just kind of another one of your role players, sure. I think he could kind of have—I wouldn't say a renaissance of a career because it's not like he's been awful or bad kind of thing. Yeah. He is what he is. Um, I—it's because like he got drafted what eighth or ninth or something. Yeah. But he also got hurt, and people thought he was going to go first or second or whatever it is. But he really has just become one of the league's best rebounders, and that's kind of it. And I feel a little unfair because I've watched maybe seven seconds of the Pistons this year, mm-hmm. and they're probably all Rose highlights. Oh, yeah. Big shouts. But I feel like I would have either read or heard about Drummond's game improving or expanding in any way. And I heard Lowe talk about how he's uh, he's become a better passer, so to speak, at the elbow and stuff like that. He's probably learning that from Blake. But, again, maybe you just need a big body and rebounding and you're the Celtics kind of thing. I don't know if uh, him, Porzingis, and Luka is what you want going forward uh, until, like, 2025. But someone is going to have Drummond on their team next year. And it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's going to be the Pistons. So we got to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, quick. right. We have until February, bro. <laughs> um, the the only way I could see it really working with Dallas, like these are all incredibly front o- smart front offices and coaching s- teams, and like the best talent he would ever be around would be on one of these three teams. The way I see it working with the Mavericks is bringing him as a bench guy paying him 15 million ish and having him come in and play pick and roll with Luca because for some reason Porzingis can only pick and pop because Porzingis for some reason has not learned how to set a screen as a seven, three figure has not learned how to set a screen. And Luca is just working his ass off every single possession and making it work. I almost wish you could like morph Dwight Powell into Porzingis. 
Oh, just mega evolve. Yeah, yeah exactly straight up. right. Because like everything Powell does well is what Porzingis needs to get better at. Yeah, <laughs> so that would be interesting. Yeah, there's no overlap really. It's like you you kind of want the you kind of want the best of both yeah, worlds. That would be a fun episode, even to just think of quality morphs of like mixing players to get something else. Tune into Game Runs next week. Yeah, <laughs> they will be back. Yeah, thinking of morphs. Would you rather have Andre Drummond or uh, Kyle Kuzma? Oh, Kuzma also sucks. <laughs> and he looks like Amber Rose right now. He does. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. He like, looks like <laughs> Amber Rose. For real. Uh, he's one of those guys. I forget. There was another good example that I would always say this, but like, what does he do well? You know, I, I say that uh, to, to many players in, in his kind of, uh, not role, but like, I just, I'm trying to think of his value. I think potential is the biggest part of his value. Yeah. Because he's young and uh, he seems to be cool. Yeah. Oh, seems hey. to be a neat dude. He's a uh, frequent league uh, league fits poster. Yes. Uh, like he's, he's, he's been on there a few times. Would you be surprised if Kuzma's career turns out nearly identical to Chandler Parsons? Wow. <laughs> Wow. Would you rather have Chandler Parsons or Reggie Jackson? <laughs> How dare you? You got to answer. I have Parsons. You'd rather have yeah, Parsons? Yeah, he just seems like a more delightful person to okay, have around. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, we'll get jobs. Parsons at least knows he's not good anymore. Yeah. We'll collect his $30 million quietly on yeah, the bench. without a yeah. doubt. Okay. Um, Kuzma, hot... No, I wouldn't even say hot start to a career, but like... People, uh, people are looking at him. What is Kuzma? Is is Lonzo Ball better? Yes. Is Lonzo Ball better than when he left LA? Is he better now? Yes, or, yes, yeah. I just I've never been high on on Kuzma. Like, but is Lonzo is Lonzo? But you think Lonzo is a better player? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I'm at, not, at many things. I'm not sure Kuzma is a better player. If he leaves L.A. because the idea of Kuzma might be inflated in L.A. That's why I was asking about a specific L.A. player. Right, right, right. Um, Ingram and Ball are better players now, but what system and what style of play and where is the ceiling on Kuzma are the biggest almost draws to it. The mystery of Kuzma is the draw to Kuzma. Yeah. And figuring out that mystery might cost you a pretty penny um, in terms of, you know, what the Lakers want? Uh, the biggest rumor is Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, and and that's the recent rumor. Any anything Mark Stein talks about is is real. Yeah, sure. But something that was floated uh, before was Memphis. Now, if I'm Memphis and I can trade, whether it's Igudala or Jay Crowder, who's playing out of his mind right now, actually, to the Lakers for Kuzma, I think that's a smart deal for them. Because you're basically taking a flyer on a young guy that fits exactly uh, the timeline of the rest of their players. Do him and uh, Triple J overlap a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Do uh, him and Brandon Clark overlap a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. But you have three guys that can shoot from the outside kind of thing. They're, they're, yeah. they're tweeners, so to speak. I would say Jaron Jackson's closer to a five than a, than a tweener. But where Kuzma kind of lands in lineups is going to be interesting going forward because he seems, I, I feel like he's one of those guys, usually it's the opposite in the NBA where um, they're actually bigger than you think they are, like Kevin Durant, so to speak. Kuzma's a big boy. I think Kuzma's smaller than people think he is. Really? Yeah. When you look at him up against other NBA players, he, he might be taller than LeBron, but he is very, he's not big. I don't think he's a big dude. Okay. You're you're searching him up right now, which it's is why be- you're silent. But. It's because I thought he was 6'9", and it actually reads he's the exact same height as LeBron James, which is 6'8". I don't remember. No, I think I thought they were the same size. You, But LeBron James has a body fit for a four, whereas Kyle Kuzma maybe doesn't. Right. Um, and maybe... I, I though I thought the 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 player heights were regulated this year, um, so I am going by the fact that I think he is officially listed at six eight because he is six eight. 
Um, the fact, the more appalling thing is that Anthony Davis is only uh, 20 centimeters taller than LeBron James, which is ridiculous to me. So maybe, you know what? Maybe the concept of height, uh, height is entirely warped, and I'm just going to close this window. <laughs> and maybe Kyle Kuzma is smaller than we think, because <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, I, I just know that Kyle Kuzma is listed as a four. Exactly. And it's just like you expect him to be bigger. Because he's not going to guard wings. Yeah. Right? I just put on Kyle Kuzma's best Laker highlights of eighteen nineteen, and we will we will watch these as we speak. But he's one of those guys that oh, what a sick dog! Oh, <laughs> that's actually pretty nasty. That is actually pretty good. <laughs> I think it's very telling that he actually can't even carve out a spot on the Lakers bench right now, where they could use some bench scoring. They got Caruso and Dwight coming in, right? He makes a lot of sense. Like, say if he wasn't on the team right now. And the Lakers were looking for that kind of bench scoring, and Kuzma was on some random team or whatever. Yeah, I could see people talking themselves into, "Oh yeah, if the Lakers got Kuzma, put him on the bench, you know, come out, shoot some threes, kind of thing, like do some pick and pops with with Caruso, whatever." Like that kind of makes sense. The idea of what Kuzma is supposed to be makes sense. Why isn't it working? I, I well. This probably goes back to the LeBron effect. Okay. Uh, LeBron has to tinker with teams before he can get the most out of teams. And part of LeBron or Le GM, Le GM. is that there will be casualties. Kyle Kuzma's kind of shaping up to be one of those casualties. Sure seems like it. Yeah. And it kind of sucks. Uh, it started with... Uh, Kyle Kuzma's trainer calling out LeBron, I believe. Yeah, that was interesting. That was weird. Really weird. And, because uh, it's, that's one of those things that, like, somebody's personal trainer, that's a pretty intimate relationship, especially as an NBA player. Someone who possibly might share thoughts or sentiments. 100%. They're talking about these things yeah. when they're up at 5 a.m. shooting threes. I'm hoping Kuzma's doing that. But that that's very telling. And it sounds like LeBron and uh, Kuzma have made up. Sure, <laughs> hashed it out. LeBron yeah. probably is like whatever. Like who cares? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's maybe maybe he blossoms on another team, and the Lakers are able to get like an, another wing, say Jay Crowder or whatever. But uh, he's still one of those players that is. People talk about in the NBA, you need an elite skill. I don't. I just don't think he has one right now. I thought three point shooting at his size was supposed to be his, but he's not really shooting, and he never really has shot at a high clip. Like even his eighteen nineteen year, um, he, he never shot super well. Yes, he was a three point shooter, but a three point shooter. The difference between somebody that shoots threes and that is like a fantastic three point shooter, it's like five percentage points at least. Yeah. Right. You know, and he's just not one of those great, reliable three point shooters. So, yeah. What is what is his elite skill? I'm not really sure, but uh, apparently the the Kings think something of him, or maybe it's uh, Luke Walton being like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get Kuzma over here. Yeah, we'll play him with uh, we'll play him with Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be great together. <laughs> Buddy Hield, Kuzma. Oh man, the Kings. Jeez. Yeah, I, 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 I totally had to think about if Luke Walton was still coaching. It was like, oh, my God. He's there, man. Yeah. He's there. It's, yeah. it's actually sad That's because a, I think a lot of people were really excited about the Kings this year. You oh, know? Like, man, we spoke about a team that, like, who's a fast-break team. Oh, yeah. And we couldn't mention a team. They should have been. The they Kings, were last year, right? The Kings should have been the fast-break yeah, team. Yeah, man. It, like, being, having D. Fox kind of, oh, I want to end the show with this question. But thinking about D. Fox running your team and having Bagley, who's supposed to be this mobile big kind of Chris Bosh esque esque kind of thing and Bogdan and it sounded like it was a really fun team. It's it's hilarious that Luke Walton, who loves pace and space and getting up and down the court, basically went to coach one of the fastest teams in the league and has brought them down so far in pace. It's really sad. It is sad because um, there was a good uh, House of Strauss podcast. Shouts to the Athletic. About I know exactly what you're talking about. It yeah. was such a good pod. About how some of the most intriguing, interesting, thoughtful, and personable people they've met are former basketball coaches, former NBA coaches, 
who no longer coach NBA basketball. Um, Tom Thibodeau, uh, the Van Gundy brothers. Um, the list is actually like plenty. Um, those are the only ones coming to mind immediately. But like, those are the cats that like, if you put a clipboard in front of them, they are hard to deal with. They are short. Uh, they are stressed. Uh, rightfully so. It's an extremely stressful position. Uh, you're probably constantly battling everyone's wants and needs from players to staff to uh, your owners to your to your uh, your boss. Um, just like it, it's one of the worst positions to be in. But as soon as you're out of that, you're kind of like, oh, I, I can live life again. This is fun, right? Right. You're, you're free. Uh, and also. Chances are some of these cats get fired, so they're still collecting a check. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of course. it kind of helps out, right? But um, yeah, it, and it goes back to that. Like, um, is Luke Walton kind of destroyed inside right now, and does he kind of just need to be free? Let's ask Richard Jefferson. He yeah, know. you know he, he might on their uh, their their weekly beach uh, beach volleyball games. Honestly, uh, Richard Jefferson, one of the better additions to commentary. Oh my in god! 20, in twenty nineteen, the more RJ, the better. For yeah, sure. He's he's doing really for well. Sure. Um, I believe I know what your episode ending question might be. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Who takes over this decade? Okay, close. Ah, Very close. Ah. Um, it's kind of along those lines, but it was. Uh, this is kind of an offshoot from a, a no dunks uh, question that Trey Kirby uh, proposed, but. Which point guard? Who's your all dummy thick team? <laughs> no, but great segment okay. for sure. Okay. I'm so glad they had Kyle Lowry starting point guard for sure. That boy thick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> point guard you would want on your team for the 2020s because there is an incredible amount of talent at that position right now, especially in their first or second year. So there's Trey Young. Yep. There is. All star, uh, all star voting leader. That uh, guy's gonna start the all star game, man. People Trey love Young. him. He's uh, kids love him, right? Yeah. Like the people that are actually voting are like Trey. Yeah. So Trey Young, uh, Darren Fox, which is oh, what yeah. remind me of it. Um, Shea Gildas Alexander. Ooh, I love me a six seven point guard, six nine point guard. John Morant. Okay. Who else is there? Well, how else, how could you forget Luka Doncic? Is he? He's in this. I'm gonna put Luke out of this. For, okay, for, okay, for this specific because I almost made he he's the LeBron James point forward. He's the point forward kind okay. of big guy. I'm I'll thinking like straight up ones. OG one. Okay. Fred uh, Van Vliet. Mm, Fred Van Vliet. No, not Van Vliet. Is is Lonzo in this? Do you still count Devin Booker as a shooting guard? Yes. Okay. Point Lon- guard for the 2020s. Skill wise, promise wise, I want to say De'Aaron Fox. Given his circumstance, I don't think De'Aaron Fox reaches that. Because hmm. of the Kings, or because of Luke Walton, or just environment in general. Environment in general. That's sad. That is sad. It's all about where you're drafted. People loved that guy last year. Like, I still love were, him. Oh yeah, like yeah. people were so excited. Yeah, coming into this year. Um, oh, you know who I'm going to add to this? Donovan Mitchell, because I think he's going to be. I think the Jazz are figuring out. Uh, sorry, Mike Conley, but Donovan Mitchell is a point guard. Yeah. Um, Donovan Mitchell might actually be a really good answer. Um, How about Jaw, though? I'll go, I'll go out of the box. Uh, and this might, this might fall in your, in your rule for Luka Doncic and LeBron, but, uh, Ben Simmons. Okay. I think he, yeah. I I think Ben Simmons for the 2020s. It's a surprising answer, but I'll allow it for sure. Ben Simmons or Darren Fox. One of those two. Nice. It's it's a super fun question because I it's so subjective. Yeah, you know, like it's like what kind of style you like. I just don't like, want to choose Trey Young yet. I, I, I nah, nah, nah. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't feel right yet. Especially you're an, you're a dunked on listener, right? And he poops on uh, Trey's defense every chance yeah. he gets. He does. <laughs> yeah, I've heard quite the Trey Young slander <laughs> over over it the is, months. It is true though. Like if you actually watch some Hawks. It's hilariously bad. Like he, it's like he's like that kid that just can't wait to get the ball back so he can score. So he'll let you score. Yeah, so exactly. He can score. That, yeah. That's exactly it, right? But uh, yeah, an incredible uh, cast of uh, talented point guards in the, in the league right now. It's super fun question. I really like Shea. 
You know, like he, he is balling out in hey, OKC right now. Like he's what, putting up 25 10s and fives. One of my favorite point guards of all time is Sean Livingston. Ah, and he's he, hey, great comp. Yeah, and Shea is the closest thing we have to that right now. Great comp. The body, the body type for sure, because he's like a legit six 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 seven point guard. Yeah, and um, someone who can actually play make an intelligent player. Yeah. Um, and how his shooting, driving develops may dictate ultimately how he becomes. But, like, dude, being a six 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 seven dude and having decent vision, good enough vision to obviously be a point guard. It's such good rhythm, you know? Yeah. Like, and I think I, I love the vibe in OKC right now because it really seems Chris Paul has taken him under his wing, you yes. know? And, and the Darren te- Collison. And, and teaching him and yeah. stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. It's too bad, uh, Collison. Uh, welcome back to the league, I guess, if he's coming back. But, yeah. Uh, I guess the Jehovah's Witness, the door-to-door didn't work out. There's an off-season for religion yeah. sometimes. <laughs> I don't I know. So, I guess so. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, anything else before uh, we get out of here? Good, big, exciting year. I'm just I'm very, ha- very happy. Um, we're continuing the process of not knowing who wins this championship. Very true. to kick the deck. Very off. true. One last Beck uh, shout-out. He had a hot take of there will not be any dynasties in the 2020s. And dynasty, by his definition, was a team winning three championships in one decade. True or false, in your mind? Yeah, because I don't think dynasties uh, should be uh, judged by three-peats. They they should be judged by overall. I think what he was saying was not three in a row, but three in a decade. So the Spurs were a dynasty last last decade. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's what I mean, like... Uh, some people consider you have to win in a row. No. I think that's silly. Uh, I think dominance of a dynasty is over a long period of time, and that doesn't necessarily result in championships. I love it. The Warriors. That's a dynasty. <laughs> it's a dynasty. There you go. All right, y'all. Thanks for uh, welcoming in the new year with us here on Game of Runs. Uh, we're going to be uh, back on here weekly. And, uh, I mean, trade season is happening. Drummond and Kuzma. Yeah. Riveting stuff. Riveting stuff. Hopefully it'll be Reggie Jackson next week, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll uh, see. The episode might be canceled. If <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. No doubt. Yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can watch some uh, some basketball within the week as well and actually talk about the game on the court. But, hey, that's the NBA this time of year, right? Right. All right. Peace, love, and happiness, everyone. Take care.